I'm Maggie Reed, and you're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. We should want our children to be eating exactly the way that we want to eat. You know, just because their palates are young doesn't mean that we can't help them expand and introduce them to all the things. Season three of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey with food and their passion for giving back. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This season, we welcome a group of celebrities that have a connection to the world of food. Whether they host a food show, have a cookbook, or simply give back through food, we're excited to have them join us on Beyond the Plate. Season three of Beyond the Plate is made possible with the help of our friends at Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America, and as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. I recently ran into the Martin's team at the National Restaurant Association show in Chicago. I was happy to see all of their product offerings and so many other products featured at the show that were using Martin's Rolls, which was pretty neat. Martin's believes in giving back to their community. They support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others. To learn more about Martin's, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at potatorolls. Martin's, we thank you. Season three of Beyond the Plate is made possible with the help of our friends at Guinness. Guinness can be part of your celebration, whether you're in the pub or at home. Guinness has been brewing great beer for almost 260 years. Whoa! There's more than just the iconic Guinness draft stout. While I enjoy a nice cold Guinness, I also like to use it in the kitchen, say, to jazz up a house-made barbecue sauce. Maybe make some grilled chicken wings this summer, toss them in a little barbecue sauce, spiked with some Guinness. Hey now. But did you know, arguably, I didn't know this, the first ever food pairing involved Guinness. In the 1830s, the British Prime Minister at the time noted how well Guinness goes with oysters. Who knew? But you know what else I love about Guinness? I can't get enough of their Guinness Gives Back program. They recently worked with Jeff Morrow to raise money for food banks in both Chicago and New York. And around St. Patrick's Day, Guinness donated $1 for every Guinness mustache posted to social media with the hashtag stash for charity. The Guinness Gives Back Fund supports nonprofits that contribute to the common good in our communities. The Guinness Gives Back Fund is a corporate donor advised fund administered by Fairfield County's Community Foundation. The fund's mission is to support local charitable organizations, which are classified under Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code, that are aligned with the corporate focus areas of Diageo North America, Inc. To learn more about Guinness, visit their website, Guinness.com, or check them out on social media at Guinness US. Guinness, we thank you. Okie dokie, back to it. For this episode, we sat with Nikki Reed. What a nice woman. She was at home in Los Angeles and we cruised through this episode. It was super fun, but her daughter was at home. Yes, she watches her daughter. And we talk about a ton of stuff from her lifestyle to a company she's involved with called Raised Real, which is a baby food focused product, which I actually receive at my house. We talk about the Ian Summerhalder Foundation, Ian Summerhalder, her husband, 
and they have a foundation together, which does incredible things. But let me tell you about the more formal stuff. And bear with me, because she has 19 jobs and sleeps like 30 seconds a night. Nikki Reed stormed the industry with her award-winning 2003 breakout role in 13, which she received wide critical acclaim, including an Independent Spirit Award for Best Debut Performance and a nomination for Best First Screenplay. She's since become best known for her role as Rosalie Hale in The Twilight Saga, in which she earned three Teen Choice nominations. Among her first film projects, Reed starred opposite Alec Baldwin in Minnie's First Time and opposite Emily Hirsch and Heath Ledger in Sony's surf and skate cult hit Lords of Dogtown. She has also appeared in small screen programs such as The O.C. and as the original American flag maker Betsy Ross on Fox's historical fantasy television series Sleepy Hollow. She's recognized as an entrepreneur. She created the socially conscious lifestyle company By You With Love in 2017. This was born out of the lack of sustainable and natural options and supports local craftsmen, artisans, and ethical factories. Reed is also a distinguished animal rights activist, primarily focusing on dogs, rescues, and shelters. She works with mentoring programs focused on the education of disadvantaged youth. She's an ambassador for the Humane Society of the United States and won the 2014 Compassion Award for the ASPCA. She's a director of the Ian Summerhalder Foundation and has helped to provide well over 200 grants to families who cannot cover the cost of surgeries for their animals. Whoa! As if that wasn't enough... She's also a founding member of Thrive Market, a groundbreaking online store with a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for American families. Busy much? I will stop here, but please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Nikki Reed. I'm going to jump right in because, well, first, yeah, so on the mom front, I'm loving your Instagram. I definitely went down one of those Instagram rabbit holes where I'm like, I've been on her page for Ah. way too long right now. And you have like this massive, awesome following. And I saw you recently did the mother's, this Mother's Day post, right? This powerful quote, quite frankly, (laughs) of yourself pregnant. And you were like, being a mama is my favorite thing in the world. What was the motivation behind that? Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. First of all, I feel so lucky that um, I'm on this journey at a time where I feel women have not only been, you know, like feeling more comfortable, but feeling really supported in this community, supported and encouraged to, you know, talk about things and show their body and feel you know, the pride that I think we all, that we all internally feel from being pregnant and being on this journey, but now feeling like we can express that in a more outward way. And, you know, Instagram is such an interesting thing, right? Because I, uh, there's the juggle between sharing things that are honest and true and personal, and then, you know, not exposing too much of your, your everyday life. And how do you be personal and impersonal at the same time and have an impact and, and, and be, you know, honest and vulnerable yet, you know, keep a boundary. And so that's like the, the juggle of social media. And I am innately very private. My Instagram feels very personal because I do share on personal topics. But if you actually kind of come through it, you'll see that my home life is not in there and I'm not posting my daily life. I, I post things that I feel could potentially be impactful because, you know, I've learned something on my journey that, that impacted me. And so I want to share, but I am still very private, even with those personal posts. I feel like I've been really inspired by the mom community, the global mom community. And, and I just want to hopefully allow other moms to feel 
like they can share part of their journey as well. Yeah. Well, I think they do. And I think as much as you've been inspired, you're inspiring to them. And I'm a dad and I'm kind of inspired by it, just watching my wife go through it all. So thank you. Oh, thanks. That's so cool. That's awesome. And I'm sure your wife is amazing. <laughs> she is. If you have eight month old twins and she's amazing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. So you're from LA. Did where you grew up or how you grew up impact your relationship with food at all? Like as a kid or did your upbringing revolve around food at all? It's interesting you say that because as an adult, I do feel like living in Los Angeles as my palate has expanded. You know, I've recognized that the palate of the city is, is, is pretty wide, you know, so we have access to a wide variety of foods, but also, uh, you know, we're on the coast. So there's a lot of, I think, forward thinking people that exist here. And I think a lot of the parts of the country that maybe were introduced to the concept of like plant-based living or words like vegan or pescatarian or dairy-free or lactose intolerant or any of those things that I think maybe took a second to kind of trickle into the rest of the country, we were definitely exposed to and introduced to on the coast probably first, I want to say. But I will tell you that I grew up in Los Angeles, but I didn't necessarily grow up with all of those words in my personal, you know, in my lexicon. I, I think I found my way to that um, on my own, you know, journey, moving into a kind of more holistic approach to living and conscious living. But I grew up with a single, I had a single mom who raised two kids on the, you know, yearly salary that a beautician makes and a beautician who worked out of her home. So my mom is the ultimate badass and worked worked her butt off to, to make it all happen for my brother and I, but we definitely grew up on fast food and making ends meet and doing the best that my mom could. And then the balance of, you know, like if, if she could, if she had the time and the ability to cook, she was always cooking. So there was a lot of food in our home, but I certainly grew up, you know, kind of making ends meet how we could. Totally. And then I read you like moved out of your house early. You were like 14 or something, which is young. What was your relationship with food then? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I moved out. I don't know what the exact age was. It might've been 15. It might've been right before I turned 16. Yeah. It might've been, it was somewhere in that pocket. I think it was a little older than 14, okay. but I was definitely very young. I was super independent and really sure of myself. And my God, I look back at my 15 year old self and, and now I think like, oh, those three extra years at home <laughs> would have been so glorious. Right. <laughs> what was I thinking? But I, I had very supportive parents who said, listen, if you think you can do this, then, then, you know, we, we will support you and we're here to be your safety net if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out. But, uh, it did. It just was definitely a struggle. And again, at that age, you know, I think I had $700 in my bank account, um, when I moved out. So it's not like I was, some crazy rich childhood actress who was like moving into a mansion. I moved into a very tiny, like 550 square foot studio little box in the middle of Los Angeles in a very sketchy neighborhood. And I remember just thinking like, wow, what, you know, what a choice I've made. And I was still at a stage then where I was kind of making ends meet. And, you know, you can see physically, this is a funny thing to say, but 
And it sounds like a really superficial thing to say, but I, I urge you to think differently. You can tell physically in the way that I look on the outside what I was putting in my body on the inside. You can literally see it like over the course of time because, you know, I, I was in the public eye at the time. And I look back at photos of myself when I was 16, 17, 18 and funny enough, I, I get accused a lot um, now of having like plastic surgery done on my face, you know, like a nose job or, or, you know, things that were, you know, I don't even know what I hear, but I hear a lot of things all the time. And it's all because of my transition into healthy living that I actually look different. I, I obviously have not had any plastic surgery done on my face and I did not have a nose job and I didn't, I've never had braces. I didn't have veneers put on. But what's amazing is when the inside of your body becomes healthy, it shows immediately on the outside. And the bridge of my nose got smaller because I probably had less fluid. You know, you're eating a ton of crap and putting junk in your body and your body has an immediate reaction to that. I mean, it swells. My face was puffy. You know, my, my teeth were literally a different color and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor and I can't tell you why all of these changes happened almost overnight, but you know, I felt different and I looked different as a result of healthy eating. Interesting. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I'd like to ask like what people's dinner table was like growing up, but I'm actually curious your dinner table now, like, do you cook much and does your daughter watch you cook or do you do like family dinner? Yeah, we're big foodies in this household. I love to cook. My husband loves to cook. Um, so when we have the time, we're living in the kitchen, like it revolves around the kitchen. Is there a favorite dish? Yeah, let's see. Favorite dish. Like a favorite dish of his that you like or favorite dish of yours that he likes? Favorite dish of his that I like. Let's start. Let's start there. So I like to describe my husband as like a mad scientist in the kitchen because he makes all these crazy, funky concoctions that are usually like it sounds basic because they come from the Nutribullet, but it's not basic because it's like a, he's a mad wizard scientist making tonics and juices and that type of thing. So if I were going to describe the balance of us in the kitchen, I would say that I'm making the solids and he's making the liquids, but there is equally as intricate. So he's all about like making these super cool chaga infused, uh, like reishi mushroom tonics with dandy tea and, you know, turmeric and like, you know, all those beautiful spices and healthy oils and, you know, all that stuff. So he's like the sauce maker. So if I'm going to, if I'm making a dish that's like a, I don't know, like a quinoa broccoli stir fry or like a lemongrass Soup. Ian is the one that's making all of the, like the accoutrement, you know? What a team. I love this. And we are kind of a team. <laughs> we are. We are. We actually are. When we get to have that kind of family time, which is not every night by any means, I'm just describing like our ideal kitchen night. When we get to do that, it's our favorite place to be. We love being in the kitchen. Music is playing. We have a record player. I'm making tea. He's drinking wine. Um, it's very fun. And we, when we were, you know, thinking about homes that we wanted to live in, um, when we were, you know, this is many, many years ago when we got together and we were thinking about buying our first home, that type of thing. I remember the kitchen being a big topic for us because we wanted it to be a kitchen that was open to the house. So that's us in the kitchen and not to switch topics and dive into why I, I found Raised Real, which is my company now. Great 
segue. Thank you. I was just going to jump into that, but I want to just preface it. I, I get raised real. I'm a fan of it. And I'm so in preparing for this conversation, I was so excited to learn that you had teamed up with them. And I'm excited for my twins to start eating it more. So go jump in. I want to hear much about it. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I discovered this company like any other mom. I mean, I just actually discovered it as what sounds like you did with your family, you know, wanting to be able to feed our children healthy alternatives to what you typically see, you know, for children, which is everything coming in plastic, everything coming with preservatives. Moms and dads feel like if they need something quick, easy on the go, then they've got to settle for something that's either A, bland, or B, filled with citric acid, or, you know, whatever else that has a shelf life. And I mean, I just described our kitchen life. We are very conscious eaters, especially at this stage in my life and in my husband's life. We're very conscious eaters, conscious for our bodies and the planet, the interconnectedness of all of it. And I think for our child and, and future children, that was always really important. But, you know, I, I run a company full time that I founded myself and I have my hands in two other companies, I would say in a more part time position, but I'm still working 15 plus hour days every day, including weekends, because that is what all of us <laughs> young entrepreneurs are doing. So I don't always have time to make the kind of meal that I would want to eat for myself, for my child. And that's the idea is like, you know, why would we, we should want our children to be eating exactly the way that we want to eat. You know, just because their palates are young doesn't mean that we can't help them expand and introduce them to all the things I was saying earlier, the turmeric and the sashinki oils and the coconut oils and the you know, all those things are really amazing for children as well. And so when I did a Google search and then found this, that this actually existed and that they were whole foods and organic foods and GMO-free foods and, and all the things that we already shop for for ourselves, I was like, oh, my God, this is a match made in heaven. We have to try this for our daughter. And, you know, the relationship with the company unfolded and then I became an advisor. And now I'm, I'm very hands-on. I mean, we're going through everything from product development to packaging, to testing things on different demographics and not, sorry, not testing. That sounds weird when you're talking about food. I mean, like uh, testing, obviously like rounds of packaging and things, (laughs) but we're, I'm very involved now and I'm, I'm loving every second of it. So is your daughter or does she have a favorite? Um, yeah, so she, you know, she has, well, like all kids, right? She has things she likes and she has things that she doesn't like. And she's very clear on all of that as, as young people are, they're very direct and clear on that. And that's also part of why I was just so in love with this company is that I felt like, you know, you get it. You're in the kitchen too. You can make 10 million things for your child and half of it can end up on the floor or more if it's not what they're in the mood for. You know, you can spend like 25 minutes cooking string beans and broccoli and you put it on their tray and they don't have words yet. So if that's not what they're feeling, it's just like, bye, that's it. And then you've missed the food window and then you feel overwhelmed as a parent. And now suddenly it's 845 and they haven't had dinner and... (laughs) That's part of why I love Raise Real. When I um, when I hopped on board, I was just so impressed with that. I mean, I was impressed too because it comes in this little individual servings, and you could kind of steam them and serve these whole vegetables that are already diced up, or fruits or seeds and whatnot, or 
puree it into baby smooth, you know, puree or kind of chunky. So it kind of has options, which is neat, but I have a question. So it, it is frozen. And we talked to Camilla Alves McConaughey cause she has also like a, a toddler food line that is frozen. And I'm curious your points of view on frozen. We had a discussion because nowadays frozen is actually really good quality. As you mentioned, you're, you're almost like saving waste of produce, right? You guys are working on like food waste related things in a way. Yeah, so flash frozen foods are wonderful because they're super nutrient dense and you can freeze them in a state. You know, raw food obviously is so wonderful for the body before we cook every single, you know, aspect of the food out of it. Um, and flash freezing food gives you that same kind of approach to how you absorb your food. And so that's one of the things that I love, love, love about this. And also, Food waste is a huge deal, especially in this country, but obviously globally, there are some issues there as well. And we need to be talking about this. You know, we've been conditioned as a society to turn our noses up at anything in the produce aisle of a grocery store that doesn't look perfectly round, perfectly shiny, perfectly red, perfectly bright, perfectly vibrant. And that's just our own brain and conditioning. And a lot of those foods, by the way, are genetically modified and not great for us. And fruits and vegetables, they come sometimes in an ugly state as well and have just as many nutrients, if not more, than some of what we find ourselves putting in our bodies um, because of what we are conditioned to gravitate towards. So, you know, eating imperfect fruits and vegetables is a wonderful way to combat food waste. And when things are diced up and flash frozen, it doesn't really matter what they're, you know, what they aesthetically looked like prior to that. So yeah, imperfect fruits and vegetables. So a big portion of this podcast, like a third of it is, you know, talking about social impact with every guest and staying on topic of what you mentioned, eco-friendly. You seem, you're very active in, in Ian Summerholder Foundation, which is incredible work. But I know you go across the board with animal activism and you've done work in schools. So can you touch on like mission and work of the foundation or just social impact overall with, with what you do? Sure. I would say that I, uh, yeah, there's so many things. I'm a, I'm a passionate person. So there are so many things that I think speak to me on a very real level that move me and inspire me to dive in and make whatever difference I can as, you know, one human being on this planet. I think the only difference would be that I, you know, have a couple of people that maybe, you know, follow some of the stuff I'm writing and hopefully it inspires them to maybe get involved too. So in that sense, it's really wonderful to have a platform to share on. But I, I've loved animals since I was a child and I've worked in animal rescue or animal rehabilitation in some capacity since I was, I don't know, uh, since before I can remember. So how's that? Pretty long time. It comes from my mother. My mom is, my mom is the ultimate animal angel. So I can't say it's all my credit, um, goes to her, but I definitely grew up in a household that really supported that. So anything I brought home that needed an extra love, whether that was a rat or a coyote or a raccoon or a squirrel. I mean, nothing was turned away. So that's all because of my mom. <laughs> and I think that that just kind of found itself pouring into other 
aspects of life as all things do. And that, you know, interconnectedness that I was talking about earlier. Sure, it starts with animals, but then I ended on, I ended up going on this super clean, healthy living path that probably, you know, when people ask me like, how did you get into that? You know, it probably in some way did start with animals. You know, you start trying to understand like what cruelty free means. And suddenly that directs you to the products that we're using. And then it makes you wonder like, hmm, well, they're also cruelty free, but they're also paraben free. What does paraben free mean? And then you're like, oh, wow, there's also all these crazy chemicals that were being tested on animals that now we're put, you know, are we going to put those into our body? And what's that mean? And all of it kind of like leads to the next thing. You know, it's a domino effect and there are endless segues. And that's just the way that that is. So I think that that's kind of what led me down that path. And in terms of like, you know, environmentalism and and activism in that sense, I think that was just kind of like the next iteration of the evolution of the journey, you know, and I'm still on it, by the way, I'm just learning things daily because I'm a curious person. And if I learn something, then maybe I, I share it, but I'm definitely on the, on the journey still, you know, I'm not like an expert in, in any of it. I'm just curious. It's great. It's all great work. Thank you for sharing that as well. Okay, so I have a quick speed round, which takes 30 seconds and then one closing question and then we're good to go. Yeah. So speed round number one, what did you have for dinner last night? Oh God, last night was one of those nights where I worked super late and super hard and found myself forgetting to have dinner. So I'm embarrassed <laughs> to tell you what I had. I ate granola. Well, I'm not so embarrassed. I did make some cat. I made cashew milk, which I now make in this thing called the soya bello, which I'm not going to plug that, but I'm just going to tell you it's the most incredible device that's ever existed in the world for anybody who makes their <laughs> own nut milks because it takes 30 seconds or less. Wow. Um, but I ate granola. Oh, yum. Um, name a smell in the kitchen that you love. <laughs> Palo Santo. That's what we're bringing in our kitchen at all times. Nice. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. Uh, uh, I hate when my husband leaves a jar of kimchi open, although I love eating <laughs> kimchi, but I hate walking into the kitchen and being like, why is there kimchi? <laughs> smells like farts everywhere. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but uh, I like eating it. Yeah, totally. What makes you happy in the kitchen? Mm, music. Nice. Second in a row of music. I like that. What was the last <laughs> thing you ordered for delivery? Mm, I don't get delivery. How about a favorite restaurant in LA? Uh, there's a really great place in Venice called um, Plant Food Wine that I love. It's hard to find places that are plant-based. Um, and I'm not entirely plant-based, by the way. I'm about probably 90% plant-based, but that's how we eat majority in our life. So it's hard to find places that are plant-based that also have a very cool, hip, like romantic, awesome vibe. And one of the things I love about that place is that they also offer food, like cooking classes on their top level. So if you love anything, you can also learn how to cook it. I love that. Very cool. And then in closing, what should people know about Nikki Reed that they may not? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, that I'm extra goofy and I don't know that I sleep <laughs> three and a half hours a night and I love to watch the sun come up in the morning, but not because I've stayed up all night. Um, <laughs> and that in another life, I'm a farmer. Amazing. I love that. Nikki, I know it's quick, but thank you so much for taking the time. I'm super excited to share this to all the listeners. Keep doing the amazing work you do. Try and get a little bit of rest and keep trucking. You're so awesome. Thank you so very much for thank taking you. the time and uh, you're wonderful. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Quote. 
Food waste is a huge deal, especially in this country, but obviously globally as well. We've been conditioned as a society to turn our noses up at anything in the produce aisle of a grocery store that doesn't look perfectly round, perfectly shiny, perfectly red, perfectly bright, perfectly vibrant. Fruits and vegetables sometimes come in an ugly state as well and have just as many nutrients, if not more. Eating imperfect fruits and vegetables is a wonderful way to combat food waste. Thanks again to Nikki Reed. Find her on Instagram at Nikki Reed. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where our guests describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Plate Podcast and Facebook. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Thank you to Andrew Glatt. And thank you to Jeff Goldford. Our music has been composed by him. Find him at iGoldford. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy. And remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.